Hi, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love of the holidays with you year-round. Today, we're going to be talking about Independence Day. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about Bunker Hill Bunny, a Looney Tunes short. Fun. I'm Cole, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about the National Anthem. This is Randy, and I will be talking about several patriotic songs. And this is Beth, and I will be talking about several easy patriotic snacks. Yum! As always, we begin with our holiday happenings for the week. And I think they're both mine this week, unless one of you thinks of one. First of all, um, I noticed that Michael's had 50% off their patriotic merchandise, which I thought was interesting. I wondered how during the summer, given that you have Memorial Day, and then the 4th of July, and then Labor Day, they would deal with the whole patriotic merchandise and when it would go on sale. So it'll be interesting now to see if it goes off sale <laughs> prior to the 4th of July. The other thing that I found out actually today at church, today is Pentecost, the uh, church holiday of Pentecost. And this is the day when Christians celebrate receiving the Holy Spirit from God after Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, had stayed on earth for 40 days, told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. It came down and that's Pentecost and that's the day that Christian world celebrates that. But what I didn't know about Pentecost is in the Jewish tradition, that's the day they celebrate God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. I did not know that either. I did not know that. That's interesting. So that's one of their three, they have several holidays, I think it's like seven holidays, but three are major. That's one of their major holidays. Is another major one Passover? Passover is one, and then um, the other one's the Feast of the Booths in the fall when they celebrate harvest. So the other connection that I didn't really make before was that on Pentecost, when the disciples preached the uh, Christian good news to the crowd, 3,000 people came to um, faith at that point. Well, in the Old Testament, when Moses received the tablets, the Ten Commandments, which is celebrated on Pentecost, 3,000 people died when he came down and they were worshiping Baal instead of worshiping God while they were waiting for Moses to come down with the tablets. So there was also the connection between the 3,000 that I hadn't realized before. Did you learn about that at church today? I did. That's very interesting. God treats us like numbers, doesn't he? He does. He does. <laughs> like 40, 40 years in the desert, 40 days in the <laughs> desert, 3,000, 3,000. Yep. He likes mixing and matching. He does. He does. <laughs> As Cole mentioned, today we'll be talking about Independence Day again. Uh, this is our second podcast on that. And we begin with Sydney's discussion of Bunker Hill Bunny. Bunker Hill Bunny is a Looney Tunes short. It was released in 1950, and it is a Warner Brothers Merry Melody short. 1950? I had no idea it was that old. I know, yeah. I started watching that that I can remember in the set, early 70s. It was yeah. already 20-some years old by then. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I remember, uh, I think it was like a DVD or something that you guys had bought. It was. Because yeah. you couldn't watch those on regular TV in, right. the, in the 90s. They didn't have them on like some of, like they do now. So we had to buy like the classic. I was so excited when they sold the classic Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes yeah. cartoons. We used to watch them Saturday mornings. Yeah. We'd get up and watch oh, yeah. Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah, so that was definitely a good part of our childhood as well. That was part of your all's childhood, and then you pass that on to um, me and Cole. This, I think, has always been my favorite Looney Tunes short, and for several reasons, which we will get into. Scene, 1776, at the Battle of Bagel Heights, 
following the Battle of Bunker Hill and the Siege of Yorktown. Bugs is an American Minuteman defending a, a wooden fort against the red-coated Hessian Sam von Schmam. <laughs> <laughs> this is way more than I knew about the cartoon already. I know, I know that so far. Or Schmam, I think, as Bugs teases him or something. <laughs> defending a large stone fortress. So, again... You know, as we look back at history and all that, I have no idea how he has a stone fortress. Like, realistically. Like, if you think about it back then, in America, Sam has this huge stone fortress with tons of cannons, and right across the way, Bugs has a wooden fort. Right. right. I don't know when he had time well, to get all that stone and where he got it from. Right. And he's a Hessian in the thing, too. Right. Like, they came over as mercenaries. What, did he come over and build a... Giant right. stone fort? I, I don't know. Maybe he worked in the quarries but before. But magic. Exactly. Sam's fortress is heavily armored, has a ton of artillery. By contrast, Bugs' defenses are kind of wimpy with only one <laughs> cannon, and it's made of wood, so theoretically it could just burn down. I mean... <laughs> it's so funny. I remember the scene because it would, uh, it would cut back from fort to fort, and it would cut yeah. to Yosemite Sam, the Hessian's fort. And there'd just be like tons of cannons uh, coming boom, out, boom, going boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would cut to Bugs's fort, and he'd pull like a little string on the back of his yeah. cannon, and it would go <laughs> pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so and it goes back and forth like that, and um, Sam taunts Bugs. So Sam demands that Bugs give up, that he you know surrender or die, rabbit, and that irritates Bugs. He Bugs goes out. Of his fortress stumps out and makes a speech and says, No Hessian or oppression is gonna keep me off of this land. And then he comes out in like, I think a hat and like a little bayonet. And, Bugs? Yeah. Yeah, so he's got the tri, the tri- tricorn, tricorn yeah. hat. Yeah. And the, his bayonet. Yeah. And he comes out and he says, You know, try to take this land or whatever. So, anyways, that irks Sam. Sam's first charge involves only him beating a drum as if guiding troops, and he walks over to Bugs's fort. Now, granted, although, you know, Sam has a huge fort and Bugs has a small fort, they're the only people in those forts. Right. So, there is no support on either No. <laughs> there is not. So anyways, Bugs basically merges with a cannon and shoots Sam, and so clothes in tatters, Sam beats a quick retreat call on his drum and falls back to his fort. They return to firing cannons at each other. Now, that's the part where he suddenly has a drum. Right. And he's, he's yeah. playing the drum to play to retreat back to the fort. Exactly. Like, where did he get the drum from? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and he has a fort, so... No, but he was out, and he got hit, and then he hits. He starts playing the drum and no, runs back. I thought you said... He played the drum no, the he drummed over. his way there. Yeah, he opened oh, the doors and drummed uh, his way there as if leading oh, okay. troops, but it's only him. Yeah, it's like a slow, like, yeah. And then when he's retreating, it's like, as he quickly retreats back. So after that drum thing, I guess didn't work. I don't know why he thought it would work. Anyways, they both opened the doors of their forts and proceeded to charge at each other with bayonets. Well, they completely miss each other. Right, and go into each other's forts and proceed to take down the other's flag and put their own flag up. So Sam's flag says they, and Bugs's flag says we, and it always has like a little carrot underneath it. So when they first charge, like Sam doesn't realize that I guess Bugs passed him and took down his flag. So at one point, Bugs like, Yoo-hoo, Mr. Enemy! <laughs> and then it irritates Sam and he goes back over and the whole thing happens again. So that was, um, that was funny. 
I don't know if you're going to mention this, but he accidentally charges into a giant cannon. I was about to mention that. So it goes on, and then Sam charges for a third time at Bugs' four. But this time, Bugs opens the um, the port door, slams wide open, and and Sam charges right into a huge cannon. Suddenly, Bugs has this ginormous cannon. (laughs) As soon as Sam charges in, he realizes his mistake, and he shouts, Retreat! Of course, it echoes in the cannon, right? So he tries to, like, run out, like, And, and the cannon, like, shoots. Oh, yeah, and then they have this bomb thing where Sam takes out a circular bomb, lights it, and throws it towards Bugs' fortress. But Bugs runs inside, and Rich is wearing a baseball uniform and carrying a bat. And Bugs proceeds to hit the bomb away towards Sam's fort, to which I guess Sam completely forgets that it is a bomb, takes out a bit, and says, I got it, I got it, I got it! <laughs> and then he catches the bomb. You're right. <laughs> right. And it blows up. Right, and it blows up. At Sam. Oh, they're shenanigans. Yes. So, um, Sam then threatens Bugs that he will blow him to smithereens, to which Bugs replies, Ah, your brother blows bubble gum. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like Bugs. Yeah. So, and this is the scene where the cannons come in, right? So, Sam has a ton of cannons, and he's shooting uh, one cannonball at Bugs, where Bugs is catching the one cannonball in his one cannon. Right. And proceeds to shoot it back at Sam. Right. So that happens for a little while, and then when Bugs gets tired of it, he blasts a plug to yeah. plug up Sam's cannon. Right. And then as Sam is, like, wrestling the plug off, he accidentally shoots himself with his own <laughs> cannon. <laughs> so finally, Sam burrows his way underground, so he starts burrowing underground in his fortress and goes and makes a long, like, U-shape tries to dig into Bugs' fortress, which he does, but he emerges in a room full of TNT, and he has a lighted match to see where he's going. So he emerges from the ground, lits a match, and realizes he's in a room full of TNT, which he blows up (laughs) with himself inside. So as a last gambit, Sam tries to use a keg of gunpowder to blow up Bugs' base, but there's a hole in the keg, and the gunpowder falls into Sam's pants, so after Sam lights the fuse and departs, he unknowingly like leaves a trail of this gunpowder. And so the fuse then follows him all around. He finally like runs up an apple tree where it proceeds to like blow up the tree <laughs> in half or whatever. And the apples are flying everywhere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Again, very American with the apple tree. So finally Sam's beaten and worn out. And he, I mean, he just looks like he was blown up. And in the end, Sam states... I'm a Hessian without no aggression. If you can't beat him, join him. So then he joins Bugs in a uh, fife and drum march as Bugs is playing on the flute and um, they're they're marching together at yeah. the end. And they have the classic view of like injured patriots. Yeah, that's kind of what they look like. And, mm-hmm. You know, one's drumming and one's playing the, the it's a flute fife. or a fife, right? Mm-hmm. But, it's a good ending to it. Yeah, it is. So that was from the last podcast with Cole talking about the Hessians. That has a new meaning to it. With right. it if right. you can't, the, beat, if him, you join can't him. beat him, join him. Yeah. With, right, it would have been a different if, if he was a red coat in that cartoon. But because it was a Hessian, that's an interesting connection. That, yeah, that we would, we didn't know. That we didn't know that yeah. the Hessians would have, yeah. Yeah, so that was always really fun. And I always liked that when I was younger because it, it had the, I think, the perfect balance between like different see like creative scenes mm-hmm. of explosions and funniness and it never went on too long like just as like you're you're fully enjoying a scene and then it ends perfectly it doesn't like extend um, too long right where you're tired of it and it, it's not too short where you can't like 
fully understand what's going on. Yeah. So I, I always like that. In the end, you know, they end up marching together, which I think is not as common at the end of these um, Looney Tune cartoons because usually it's two parting ways, not two marching together. Right. So, right. And I think that one. Looney Tunes excels in those kind of simple premises because if you take the sort of the basic fundamentals of it, the idea is they each have a fort, they each want each other's fort. So right. you just do the slapstick from there right. and can work with that. And I think that that's keeping it simple like that made it very entertaining. And I liked how they did all practical effects and not a lot of CGI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, back then. Oh, yes. In fact, it was a cartoon color. By Technicolor. Of Ooh. course. Yes. yes. Color cartoon. Back in the 50s, all those CGI, all that, those that, CGI flooded. They pointed out <laughs> that, that this is going to be in color, not black and white. That's right. In fact, <laughs> the picture that they showed me, so I, I took the information from looneytoons.fandom.com, but I've watched this plenty of times myself. I just went and followed along with them. But they have a picture... And it's in black and white, like an advertisement almost. Oh, like that's a funny. Scene oh, that from, is funny. From the short. Awesome. That's something, that's one of the cartoons that I really remember from my childhood. And obviously you do too, because you were really excited last week when we mentioned Hessians and thought of Yosemite Sam, the Hessian without no aggression. That's right. And we all kind of look like the Yosemite Sam too, no. so. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Hessians. We'll so. post that on Instagram too. <laughs> yeah, I, look like. I assume that all Hessians look I like so. Yosemite <laughs> Sam. Yep, so I'm going to be talking about Star Spangled Banner today. So we all know Anthem of the United States, but the lyrics come from the defense of Fort McHenry, which is a poem that was written on September 14th in 1814. I know by who. Who is it from? Francis Scott Key. Wow, you got it right. Am I right? Okay. Point Randy. Point Randy. <laughs> You're winning now. <laughs> yep, it was by, at that time, 35-year-old Francis Scott Key, who was a lawyer and an amateur poet. <laughs> but I think that's interesting that it was, because it kind of has the, the cadence of a poem rather than... A lot of other anthems. So it came from Mr. Key after witnessing the bombardment of Fort McHenry by British ships in Baltimore Harbor during the Battle of Baltimore in 1812. So, and he was actually on a British ship at the time. Yep. So I know I know how this story because like, it was drilled into me as a kid. Like we must have studied <laughs> oh, this really? a million times. Oh yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Did you study this a ton as a kid too, Mom? I know I studied it. I knew he was on a British ship. He was detained on a British ship. So did you guys know that? Did you? Well, you obviously did, Dad, because you said it was drilled into you as mm-hmm. a as a kid. But did you know it was 1812 and not the Revolutionary War? No, I did not remember that. Yeah, that's something that, that I did not know as a kid. When I was a kid, I always figured that it was, it was the Revolutionary War. And then even as an adult, I didn't know it. Like, I didn't learn it anywhere. I actually... I've learned about, I studied India, so I learned about the rockets, how the British only got the rockets in like 1809, so I was like, oh. Referencing the rockets Red Glare. Right, Right. referencing, because I knew that they were actual rockets and not cannons. Right. So I was like, wait, that doesn't really add up, that can't be the the Revolutionary War. Good deduction. Yep. But I didn't actually find out that it was even the Battle of Baltimore until I was looking it up today. It references the, the big U.S. flag with the stars and stripes 
uh, which they called the Star Spangled Banner, that was flying above the four during the U.S. victory. And it was a ginormous flag, as I recall. Right. It was a really big, it was a really big flag. <laughs> I'm just repeating the exact same thing but, that you said. But I but think the word that they used was ginormous. Ginormous. That sounds like a very 1812 <laughs> kind of word. Yes. It, it's come back in recent years, but back then, like, that, that word was ginormous. Hither the ginormous flag. <laughs> he couldn't rhyme anything with it, so right. he left it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's. I think that's fair to leave out the ginormous. Yeah. I mean, what do you rhyme with that? Yeah. I remember a letter to his wife where he references wanting to include the word ginormous, but he just couldn't Was figure out. says something else that you learned. <laughs> we read all of his letters. Yep. <laughs> This is a very detailed. <laughs> yeah, detailed yeah. He was really bored <laughs> yeah, on the British ship. Nothing else to do. So the poem was set to the tune of a popular British song uh, written by John Stafford Smith for the Anacreontic Society, um, which was a men's social club in London. With a hard name to say, so nobody with, with would want to join. I don't know. Maybe it sounds better with a British accent. Maybe it probably, <laughs> probably does. does. Probably Most things does. do. So the Star Spangled Banner became a well-known U.S. patriotic song. It wasn't like an anthem right away. And most of the entirety of the song is a recount of the British bombardment of the fort. So a good source to learn more about this is the historicpresent.com, where they actually analyze the song. A lot of the songs stanza by stanza at different points. Um, I'm not going to just repeat what they said, but if you want to check it out more, that's a good place to go. Uh, but I am going to go over a few of the lines that are at the beginning of the anthem. Do it. I'm going to do it. So a lot of the song, we sort of we have a sense of what it means, but it was interesting for me breaking down in our language the actual meaning of what all these words are when they're put together. Uh, so we start with, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. So if you break it down, what is it, this is essentially saying is that we can see the flag at dawn and we salute it at twilight too. And that's what the we hailed means. It's a salute. And what this is saying is that the flag was there throughout the entire day. Uh, then we go to, Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. I think this one is pretty self-explanatory. Flags um, up there blowing around. Flags up there blowing around. We're watching it from the ramparts. Right. <laughs> What's a rampart? It's uh, the battlements. It's a part of a ramp. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's, not, that's not true. <laughs> oh, oops. To the listener. <laughs> that's incorrect information. Incorrect information. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. And it's interesting, when you don't sing it and read it, it really sounds like a poem. It yes. does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Definitely. Like, I could see Dr. Seuss writing this, but with, <laughs> with much weirder lyrics and <laughs> trees that have giant cotton balls on top of them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So what this is talking about is the famous British rockets, which I mentioned before. First modern rocket artillery was Mysorean iron case rockets, which were used against the British. I'm going to try to not talk about that too much. As a historian, the two groups in India that I studied the most were a group called, were both modern in terms of history, modern groups, 
a group called the Murata and a group called the Mysoreans. So this was very exciting for me any time I see any reference to Mysoreans. But then the British developed the Congreve rocket. So the gave proof part actually refers to how the rockets would light up the sky because you couldn't see the flag during the night without the lights from the rockets. Then, oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So what this is saying is that as long as the flag waves, this is still land of the free and home of the brave. So there's a number of other lyrics in the song which recount a lot of the rest of the battle. Um, a few of them are, On the shore dimly seen through the mists of the deep, where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze or the towering steep? Again, very poem, kind of. really is. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is that this poem style is very atypical for an anthem. It has neither traditional anthem tune nor lyrics. An anthem is usually intended to be easily recognizable and give a sense of pride and culture through music, which is usually a march of some kind. A lot of anthems talk about the landscape, the people, or their general struggle for freedom or to be a nation. Whereas our anthem recounts a battle. We have those themes through the battle, but most anthems will, je- will more specifically talk about landscape, that kind of thing. America the Beautiful would be a much more traditional anthem, and that was sort of, at one point, that was up to be the anthem. I was actually just thinking about that, because if you talk about, like, landscape and all that, that really... America the Beautiful really, like, encompasses Right, amber, fields of grain, Purple uh, Purple Mountain's majesty, all of that. And even though the way that the song sounds, a much more flowing kind of... Much less a poem in the way that it's uh, it's put together. Mm-hmm. A little more stately. Music. Right, a little yeah. more stately. But I think that the Star Spangled Banner maybe fits well for America because it's sort of a really atypical country in the course of, of history. Even the name, the Star Spangled Banner, does sound very different than more formal anthems. Spangled means like, like it's bestowed, like it's like Star Spangled Banner. What do you think the spangled part means? And that there's a lot of stars on it. Like it's like outfitted with stars, right? Spangled is kind of that. I don't know. It's not. A, it's not a word we use. Not a lot. Anymore. No. Cover with small sparkling objects. Oh, there you go. There we go. Thank you, Sydney. So it is star spangled. Yes. Um, but if you think about like the British, God save the Queen or King or uh, the Spanish Marcha Real or Royal March or older anthems like. The March of the Ottoman March of Abdul Majid or German, East German, Alferstanden, Alsruiden, Risen from Ruins, or there's a lot of other anthems which have the more graceful, stately sounding names. And most of them are marches in one way or another, but I think that this is another way that America can kind of stand out as unique as its own. That's true. Sparkly banner. Sparkly banner. With stripes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing that, Cole. To me, one of the interesting things about the anthem, the Star Spangled Banner in the United States, is that we take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will stop what we're doing to rise and to listen to it. And um, I'm not sure if all nations are that way, but we certainly do. Your music inspires a lot of people, whether it's 
patriotic music or music in general. And as I was looking up patriotic music, I realized that there was a lot of patriotic music for the United States. Yeah. And everybody kind of identifies with different ones. So first I wanted to see what you guys, when you think of like inspiring patriotic music for you, does anything come to mind? I know, just as you were saying that, Glory Hallelujah was a thing that, that popped into my That's head. the battle hymn of the Republic. Oh, is it? Yes. The Glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. America the Beautiful is really good. Obviously, the National Anthem. I also like Glory, Glory Hallelujah. I mean, obviously, there are a lot that I enjoy and that I learned and heard because of um, the way you two raised us and, and we grew up with, um, I think, a number of those songs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in fact, I think we had a, a whole CD we filled did. with patriotic songs yeah. that would play. <laughs> like Yankee Doodle. Yeah. Yankee Doodle. All kinds of Yeah. It's interesting. I remember a lot of, I recognize, I could recognize the tune, but I don't know the um, the names, but I know there was a lot of patriotic music that came out around the Civil War time, which I learned as an adult because as a child, I did not love the Civil War because everything around our area was... Like crazy civil war. We live in a very big civil war kind of. Some town. kids would embrace that and say, <laughs> "I I like that because it's all around me." Cole did not. I did not. Well, and the funny thing is, I loved history. That's true. That is just true. not that history till I was an adult. So I picked out four patriotic tunes to uh, specifically focus a little bit on their history of, and then to play a little bit of of a really well done version of that today that you can find on YouTube. So the first one I picked out, and you guys have actually mentioned a couple of these, was the Battle Hymn of the Republic. So in 1861, Dr. Samuel Gridley Howe toured Union Army camps as part of his work with the Sanitary Commission. So President Lincoln had asked a group of people to come and look how the Union soldiers were being uh, treated from from the government's perspective. So Dr. Howe's work involved improving the health and hygiene of the Union Army. Dr. Howe's wife, Julia Ward Howe, felt kind of out of place. She was there with him, but she felt out of place at the camps because she didn't have the skills or the training as she felt to be much help, right? So she saw all this misery, everything kind of was going on in the camp, all the needs that were going on from a medical perspective, but she didn't feel like she could help much. Army members in general in these camps often marched to the beat of this tune called John Brown's Body, which is a spin on an old Methodist hymn. As uh, she was riding through the camp one day, one of the passengers in Howe's coach suggested that she rewrite the lyrics to the marching song. According to um, the, uh, there's actually a little snippet on YouTube where you can find a story of how she wrote the song. Uh, She had a restless night that night. She woke up um, around 2 a.m. or something like that, just feeling kind of out of sorts and depressed that she couldn't really help when suddenly these lyrics came to her. And she wrote them down, word for word, and then she went to bed. And the next morning, she woke to see that these lines fit with the tune that became the battle hymn of the Republic. And like Cole was saying, you know, when you look at some of these older tunes, if you really go through all of the lyrics, like often we stop at the first one because we're impatient. (laughs) We're like, okay, that's enough. Next, If you go through all of them, they're pretty amazing lyrics. I'm going to play a version of the Battle Hymn of the Republic from the United States Army. So this is from November 22nd, 2016 from the United States Army Field Band. So I'm just going to play a minute or so of this one. What a 
So that was the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I always have felt that's a very inspirational song for me. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the later verses, it can become very uh, compelling song as well. It's so interesting that she just woke up and thought of them. And it matched into that so- existing song. Yeah. Which, you know, as Cole was talking about before, a lot of times there was a British song that then was kind of reused with new lyrics along the way. Yeah. So then the next song I want to talk about is America the Beautiful. So this was an inspiration from on high to Catherine Lee Bates. So in 1893, she was climbing Pikes Peak in Colorado. And from the top, she said, I was very tired, but when I saw the view, I felt great joy. All the wonder of America seemed displayed there with the sea-like expanse. Almost immediately, her mind conjured up the words to her poem that would later become one of the songs in the running for the national anthem, like Cole had mentioned, along with My Country Tis of Thee and the Star Spangled Banner. Today, you can visit the monument on Pikes Peak commemorating the place where Bates saw the country. So that's interesting. So that one was a poem, too. Or that's that's right. It started, off it started out as yeah. a poem. That's right. Catherine Lee Bates didn't know she was going to write what would become one of the country's most beloved songs when she visited in 1893 for a lecture tour. She was a professor of English at Wellesley, and she became particularly interested in the Rockies. So she wrote a poem entitled Pike's Peak. These words are what we now think of the lyrics of America the Beautiful. The poem first appeared in the weekly newspaper, The Congregationalist, in 1895. Well, that's quite a title. I know, right? And then in 1904 in the Boston Evening Transcript. The poem became so popular that people around the country started singing it to whatever melody they could fit the words to, (laughs) including (laughs) Old Lang Syne. The melody we know actually dates back to 1882, and it was a song called Materna. Oh. And then these words were adapted to become America the Beautiful. So I thought that was a pretty interesting story of of that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the one I picked play a little bit of for America the Beautiful is the one I love, which is performed by Ray Charles. This version was first sung by Ray Charles from the Dick Cavett Show on September 18th, 1972. So here's a little snippet of it. When I was in school, you know, we used to sing it something like this. Yes. 
So that one always inspires me as well. So bringing us closer to modern times, the next one I wanted to talk about was the song America. Yes, the Neil Diamond song, America, which was released in 1980. And in fact, the song has been used by some immigrants as an unofficial anthem for their journey to America, specifically ones at the time who escaped apartheid in South Africa. Um, This was also used, even though it was released in 1980, became popular uh, during the 4th of July festivities of 1986 to celebrate the restoration and the rededication of the Statue of Liberty on its 100th anniversary. What? So here's a little snippet from it. So that's a little bit of that song. And you know what? I was just thinking at Disney in the um, American Pavilion and the World Showcase in Epcot, there's a song that I really love a lot, and it's called The Golden Dream, and I didn't mention it previously, but that was, has always been like an inspiring song to me. Which is my fourth song. <gasps> it is. It is. Oh, that's so funny. Yay. So this song was performed by Tim Davis and Sophia Pizzullo. And it is part of, as Sydney said, that American Pavilion experience, which is kind of a show that has Mark Twain and Benjamin Franklin basically narrating through the prehistory and the history of the United States um, with a number of animatronics, videos, music along the way. And this is actually played twice uh, towards the end. It's played and then it's played again Mm -hmm. um, as part of the ending of that show. So here is the beginning of that song. Sky. Pray 
Yeah, it's interesting because that song is actually mixed with a number of quotes. At that point in the song, mm-hmm. JFK comes on with That's his right. Ask Not uh, quote. So they kind of mm-hmm. mix in videos in yeah. the back and they show a lot of pictures and videos of famous people, important people in United States history along there. So I know that's a show that we absolutely love. Yes. And I always, if I'm in that got nostalgia in that song yeah, for that's right. uh, just about all of us at this table. It brings a lot of joy to my heart when mm-hmm. I hear it, hear it along the way. Uh, as Cole mentioned, the other song obviously is the uh, Star Spangled Banner. And the song I would reference, I won't play it here today, but is the Whitney Houston performance at the 1991 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like the epitome, the classic uh, performance of the Star Spangled Banner. I think to a lot of people, that's right. the, about as good as it gets. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about in prepping for this, there's actually some worst performances <laughs> as well of the Star Spangled Banner. I preferred not to go through those ones, but yeah. I'm sure you can find those a list of those online as oh, I'm well. I'm sure you can find plenty of lists of those online. Yeah. Probably, like, probably more bad lists than good lists. And I don't know why you would torture yourself listening to them again. Because it's so amusing. I'm sure there's like a top <laughs> ten worst sung American national anthem list like on you yeah just like that's it on youtube or whatever but just to yeah definitely just, definitely just look to at listen this. and yeah. think why to yourself exactly right. why and don't <laughs> um but no definitely the whitney houston um song in fact at one point as dad was prepping for this he asked which who sung the national anthem the best and my guess was whitney houston because i have seen her sing that song before yeah definitely check it out it is wonderful it is if you haven't seen it definitely check it out on youtube just look up star spangled banner whitney houston and it'll come up or you could probably look up star spangled banner best and it would come up probably (laughs) so but there's a lot of great songs that are patriotic my country tis of thee your grand old flag Uh, john philip souza wrote many many marches like stars and stripes forever that people recognize and um, are often played on the 4th of July. So when you think about a 4th of July day, often it includes, for us, music, which is a little bit different than Memorial Day and Labor Day. Mm -hmm. The the events around the 4th of July in America uh, have a strong emphasis on the music, both the uh, historical patriotic music as well as more current patriotic music. It's interesting. I think at most of the 4th of July celebrations that I've been to, they've played the song, the 1812 March. Yes, the overture. Yeah, the overture to eighteen twelve, yes. which, which is, is interesting funny. because it's not an American mm-hmm. song. It's not even talking about a war America was involved in. Right. It's talking about it's referencing the Napoleonic War, <laughs> yeah. and it's a Russian song. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I wouldn't have guessed that if I didn't right. know it because it has that sort of very patriotic it sound does. to it. Very with, uh, with the cannons at That's the end. That's right, right. But we can relate to it. Even though it wasn't our war, we could relate. We That's can probably, relate, yeah. <laughs> That's probably why we include it. Yep. So what else do we do on 4th of July celebrations, Beth? Well, while we're at those celebrations, listening to awesome music. Inspirational music. Inspirational awesome music. We are also probably eating. Uh, yeah. is, <laughs> are we Americans? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I am here to tell you Four easy patriotic snacks. Ooh, easy. Right, because sometimes either you get invited to a backyard barbecue or you're going to have a party or a barbecue, and it's fun to bring out patriotic snacks, And but then you have to start looking them up and finding what they are. Well, here are four very simple ones. But that it does really set a mood, too, when you come and you have like, the red, white, and blue cupcakes or whatever, right. but you look like you have some more 
much more creative snacks. Right. Like if you could have like flags and things like that, and then marching music, people, and then you're marching towards the food. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then you that. want, if for whatever reason you really want to eat the flag, it's probably all over the snacks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The flag colors. Anyway. Yeah, the flag colors at least. And there are a number of more in-depth snacks you can have, but these ones anyone can do. Mostly anyone can do. I'm just put it that way. <laughs> you make no promises. Right, exactly. <laughs> no guarantees. I yeah. guess it depends on who you are. The first are fruit sparklers. Ooh. Yes. Now, what that you're going... That sounds dangerous. It does. Dangerously delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it is dangerously delicious, because a lot of times people talk about sweets when they say food is dangerous, but these sound like fruits. So. That's true. That's true. It's healthily That's right. Delicious. Dangerously delicious. Dangerously healthy. For the fruit sparklers, you're going to need watermelon, blueberries, and skewers. So what you're going to do is you're going to cut your watermelon into one inch slices the whole way across. Then you're going to need a star cookie cutter. Hmm. And you're going to make take those slices and cut stars into it so you have little star watermelon pieces. So and it has to be thin enough where you can, you can make the about cuts. About one inch. Not too thin because then skewers aren't going to stick well. Mm. So you want about an inch or an inch and a half. You cut your stars out. And this is really simple. So you take your blueberries and put however many you want on the skewers. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight. I want eight. Okay, you get eight. And then stick a star on top. Leave a little space on top to stick your star. And they are so cute. They are. All it is is a skewer with blueberries and a star watermelon at the top. They're really cute. And if you do a bunch of them, it's a nice, easy, refreshing snack. So it's actually very healthy, too. Yum. The hardest part of that would be the watermelon, which you already probably cut anyways in some way. So you're just cutting it in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Now, you don't grill these skewers, right? You don't. No. No, no, no. You just eat them. (laughs) Okay. The next thing I'm going to talk about, those were fruit sparklers and a fun sound, too. Very fruity. Very fruity. It's another fruit. It's 4th of July strawberries. Mm. What you need are strawberries, whole strawberries, washed and dried. You're going to need white chocolate melt and blue edible sugar. That looks so so good. I know. (laughs) All you do is you take your strawberries... You dip them into the melted white chocolate. Now, you don't dip them the whole way. You want to see some red. Exactly. Thank you, Sydney. You want about a third of the strawberry, the red strawberry at the top to be seen. Mm-hmm. So, you dip them two-thirds of the way down. Then, you go over to your blue sugar, your edible blue sugar, and either spoon it on or you have a little cup of it there. I would say have a little cup of it there. And dip the bottom third in it. So, you have... The blue crystals, the white chocolate melt, and the red strawberry at the top. Red, white, blue. Very cute. Again, Very delicious. Tasty fruit. So it'd be easiest if you left the um, leaves on the top to right. hold it. Okay. Exactly. So that forms a, a fun little flag. Very patriotic if you're Dutch. That's right. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> red, white, blue. America. America. <laughs> we own those colors. <laughs> That's right. Doesn't matter what order, doesn't matter what thing you're on. Doesn't matter if they were the first one to have. (laughs) We just we just keep using it enough that it is now ours. No, that's (laughs) that's not how it works. We use it the most. (laughs) We licked it. It's ours. We licked those colors. They're now ours. That's an interesting way to think of it. Oh boy. If you didn't know the listener, 
three most commonly used colors and flags across the world. Yeah, they're all copying us, or they, we copied them and then took it over. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it might be that, that second one. There. I don't know. All right, what other yummies do you have there, Beth? The other thing that I have is a patriotic pretzel, or multiple patriotic pretzels. Now, this recipe that I I saw, thought when you said or, you were going to combine patriotic pretzel into one word. Like, pretzel. <laughs> Patret. It's pet pretziotic. Patretz. No, no. That's a tough one. It's that basically pretzel. Patriotzels. Patriotzels. That's there you good. Go. That's there pretty you go. good. Okay. You so did it. <laughs> I did it. So you're either going to need pretzel twists, large pretzel twists, or I prefer the large pretzel rods. So you're saying this snack has a twist? <laughs> it can. So you're going to need... But that was funny. <laughs> royal blue candy melts and white candy melts. So you're going to melt the blue and melt the white in separate bowls. After you melt them, you're going to need to put it onto some kind of shallow plate and then roll your pretzel rod in it, leaving a small bit at the bottom to hold your pretzel without the candy coating. So roll them in the, you can start with, let's say we'll start with the white. So you roll it in the white and then you're going to have red, white, and blue jimmies or sprinkles or nonpareils and just spoon them over and set them on wax paper or foil to dry or parchment actually. so another way you use. could do that is if you laid the pretzel down and you used like a little spoon or something and you drizzled the uh, white on top and you, you drizzled the blue on top and if you got red ones you drizzle red white, blue probably do better like if you dipped it in one or the other then after then, it dries then drizzle yeah like right. you dipped it in white and then because i would it stand tastes, what you want to do is you want to you want to um Coat them before it dries, before the candy melts dry, because the candy melt will dry. Oh, okay. So, initially... Can you remelt your candy yes, melt? Yes, you can. Yeah. It's just a matter of now it's you know a little more labor intensive. So, what you want to mm-hmm. do is go ahead and coat them, and that's a good idea to... You could always drizzle. If you decide, I'd like to do something more than just the sprinkles or the non then you could do that, but you could do a little... Well, I imagine that you could, like, if you wanted to drizzle blue and drizzle red, and then you could use, like, white sprinkles or something like that. Right. Get creative with it. Right. However you want to do it. And then you do that with white. And then these have, normally, uh, I just get the white candy melts, Mm -hmm. the white chocolate candy melts, and use those. And anything, any decoration is on top of the white. The recipe that I see here used blue, and it looks really nice. Yeah. Haven't used it, but that would be an option too. Yeah. So yummy, simple, though. easy, very tasty. And we we and like fun. and as Cole mentioned in a previous podcast, we like chocolate covered pretzels. Yes. The we pretzel do. rods pretzel are a rods big Christmas time. Thing. Yeah. We haven't made them for the fourth. Right. Yet. It's one of my favorite things about Christmas time when we make them. Right. Yeah. They're really good. All of these things look so tasty. So if we get invited somewhere, I'll have to make them. Yeah. You could make some of each. Or you could just make them for us. That's true. Even if we don't get invited somewhere, we could always have them, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. The last thing that I'm going to talk about are, <laughs> is a dessert kebab bar. Oh. Yum. So this I thought was very interesting. Somebody had um, little, they took little white bowls and they put 
strawberries, cold strawberries. So you take out the little, what is it called on top? Stem. Stem. Well, you see, okay. You so like you kind take of core out, it out a little bit? Yeah, you, exactly. You core out, you core it out. You have, so you have blue washed blueberries in one, washed straw, cold washed strawberries in another. You have, these ones had little powdered donut holes, which Ooh. I thought were really good. Yeah. And Those are always really good. They're so good. And then raspberries and marshmallows. That anyway. sounds very fun. So it's labeled as a dessert, obviously. It is, and it's a dessert bar. Yeah. Okay. So I guess. Oh, I see. So it's a. You it's, can make what you can make it look however you want, and you can use whatever you want. So if you like yeah. the strawberries, blueberries, and white. Donuts, then you can put those on. So you're not you pre-making them on a skewer. Correct. So it's a you make your own kebab kind yeah, of. Yeah, you didn't yes. mention the skewers that are there too. So basically... Did I not say that? Well, well you said kebab. Yeah, you said Okay, kebab. okay. But basically you have that, all the materials laid out. Right, you put all the different toppings, all the different kebab, the skewer fixings, <laughs> what you'd call yeah, them, exactly, yeah. in little bowls. And then everybody can come over when they want to and make their own kebab. Now, one of the things that... I was reading about this particular thing is the mom that was writing about it said once the kids get the things, all the different things on, the marshmallows, strawberry, blueberry, donut holes, whatever, she snipped the bottom of the skewer off because it's real pointy at the bottom. Yeah. That way for kids, they're not going to poke themselves. That's so funny. I always put the pointy in at the top. I always put the pointy in at the top too. Yeah, me too. You still don't want the kids poking themselves. Right, because you have to... Because you think of kebab, like you think this. of like eating it on the kebab, but you want to pull the pieces off as you're eating but them. But the little kids won't. Exactly. So right. you yeah, need see to the snip point. that oh, top off. Do you pull them off? I always eat it sideways. Oh, okay. My kebabs. Oh, this sounds like uh, we need to ask America. How do you eat your kebabs? <laughs> well, if you eat these things sideways, there's not enough form to them to stay. So your strawberries are probably going to fall <laughs> off. Your donut holes are yeah, probably going to fall off. I pull my pieces off. Oh, I like to eat them both ways. Both ways? Yeah. What? I know. Crazy. We'll have to pick. <laughs> I think I can like both. <laughs> you've heard, you've heard this is America. You must pick. <laughs> but that looked really good and tasty to me. And this, they had different things. You can put whatever you want in it. But they said they had little eclairs. They said red, white, and off-white, and blue. <laughs> so they put some little round eclairs on there, too. But I didn't think that. No, okay. I didn't think it sounded good. But I like all the other stuff that they had on there. Well, very so, fun. Thank you. So those look really tasty. I'm really excited about them. I'm going to keep all of the stuff here, and then for the 4th of July, make it. Good Do idea. Do it. Yeah, it doesn't, none of it looks labor intensive. It all looks fun. If you went anywhere with a variety of these things, I think people would be excited to have them there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, they look really fun, and they're, like you said, they're easy to make and easy to eat. Yeah. Fun and festive all that's the right. way. There's a lot of stuff that's easy to eat. <laughs> Doesn't mean that you should eat it. True. That's true. But you should eat these because they're festive and fun. And delicious looking. So that completes our discussion of part two of our Independence Day show. As always, we end with future festivities for the week of July 1st. This is a particularly fun week. Uh, July 1st is Canada Day, also known as Dominion Day. So... Happy Canada Day to all those Canadians. <laughs> July 2nd is World UFO Day. <laughs> so hello to all you UFO lovers. July 3rd is Compliment Your Mirror Day. 
Hey, yeah, buddy, aren't you looking good? <laughs> oh, I was thinking more. Tell your mirror, good job, because it has to look at you every day. <laughs> uh, July That's funny. July fourth is Independence Day. We can be independent, independent together. together. July fifth, yummy yummy, is National Apple Turnover Day. Very Ooh, American. Yes. Yeah. So don't have them just on Independence Day. Have them the next day as well. July sixth is International Kissing Day. So you have hopefully, to kiss people from other nations. Well, <laughs> if you if you've met somebody at Canada Day or World UFO Day, <laughs> Independence Day. Hopefully you can bring them along to Kissing Day by July 6th. Okay. <laughs> kind of like a Hallmark show. You, you have one, two, three. You have a few days there to get that person on board. <laughs> there you go. And then July 7th, Chocolate Day. What? Yep, July 7th Yum. is Chocolate Day. You can follow us on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can find us by searching Holiday Moons, all one word. And you can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Cole, Randy, and Beth, Happy Independence Day! We nailed it this time.